Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast. Today, I have a special talk for you guys. This is a talk that I recorded live on the Wisdom Social Audio app on one of my morning walks, and it was so powerful, and I felt so in tune with what I was saying that I just had to share it with you all. The audio is not the greatest because it is recorded from my AirPods, and you might hear a little bit of background noise as I'm walking through my neighborhood, but I'm hoping that you can see past that and really listen to what I'm talking about here, because if you are someone who has hidden shame, at least knows you do or is suspect that you might, this talk just might be the information you need to break free from the constraints that you've been living under in your life. So thank you for being here, everybody, and I hope you enjoy the talk. You are listening to the Sweet Empowerment Podcast with Kristen Brown, where we upgrade our relationships and life by applying practical ideas, universal truths, and life-changing inspiration. Let's go have some fun. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Kristen Brown here. Is hidden shame holding you back? Random conversation on my morning walk. Didn't plan this. Wasn't going to do it. Just got off a phone call and this was on my heart. So I thought, hey, I'm going to jump on here. I'm going to talk about hidden shame holding you back. Because this is one of the things in life that I've absolutely been most passionate about. It is something that if I could stand on any type, maybe a blimp, I don't know, if I could write in the stars in the sky, examine your shame, examine your shame, because this is when stuff heals. And it's a thing that it's so tricky because our hidden shame that we have been pushing down subconsciously or actually unconsciously, that hidden shame that we have been pushing down, I want to look at that, I want to look at that. That's the whole reason why we're not looking at our hidden shame. Because we're afraid to look at that shame, because think about shame, shame and embarrassment. Oh God, it feels yucky, doesn't it? What if you knew that that yucky feeling is just a chemical? It's just a chemical response to a thought, right? And every emotion is purposeful. So when we're feeling something, the key is to look at that thing Say, ooh, I'm feeling this. What is that? Recognizing what it's all about so we can learn to address it and heal it. Because the purpose here on planet Earth is a spiritual journey, right? What's that saying? We are not humans with a spirit, something like that. We are spirit with a human body. Think about it. We're spirit. We're source. We're souls in a human body. When we can really embrace what spirituality means, like why we're really here, things start to look completely different. We stop to view things, we stop viewing things as dire, like we're gonna die. Because that's what the human brain does. The human brain goes, You're gonna die if you own your shame. You're gonna die if you own your embarrassment. You're gonna die if you talk about your beliefs the hidden uh, fearful beliefs, okay? 
That's what the, that's what the ego does to us because its job, job is to protect us. So it says all these heinous things to us to keep us from healing because its job is to protect us. The problem is it doesn't protect us. It keeps us small, small, constricted. And then the lens through which we see life, people, relationships, things that we could possibly do, our dreams, desires, wants, those things that feel like they're way out there that we can't have. It keeps us from those things. It builds this massive chasm and we feel the chasm, which will further perpetuate the feeling that we can't have it because we feel that chasm. We're like, yeah, I know I'm way, way too far from being an Oscar winning actor. Just using that as an analogy has never been my dream. I'm way too far from that. Okay. Why? If it's in your, if it's a dream, if it's a desire, guess where those are stemmed from guys, your creative center. Guess what your creative center is, is the right side of your brain. Guess what the right side of your brain is, is your receiving side from source. Okay. No dream or desire is put into your heart because it's put into your heart. It's not a cerebral dream or desire. I'm talking about the true dreams and desires that are put into your heart. No dream or desire comes into your heart that you cannot have. Period. But you've got to look at the things that are building the chasm between you and that dream and desire, which is hidden shame and unworthiness. Hands down. I was watching some type of massive webinar yesterday with Matthew McConaughey and a bunch of people. I didn't watch the whole thing through. I just watched bits and pieces of it. But then I watched the majority of it last night. And the idea of imposter syndrome came up. It came up twice in this talk from two different people. And I don't remember who said it because I get so engrossed in these things. I don't know if it was me. I don't know who it was. I'm not going to try to remember. It's just a waste of time. But the imposter syndrome came up. And the guy said, oh, this whole thing about imposter syndrome. Or posture syndrome. We all have it. People want to act like it's this isolate. Really, I've got imposter syndrome. It's a syndrome. It's a syndrome I don't think I can fix. It's a syndrome. Syndrome's just a word to say it's something you're experiencing in this. This doesn't mean you are genetically predisposed like Down syndrome. Okay, which are true medical syndromes. They just call it imposter syndrome, but it's not that you're genetically predisposed to think you're an imposter. This is part of the spiritual journey. We think we're not enough. Why do we think we're not enough? Hidden shame and unworthiness. Period, 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 exclamation point. So in order to move forward in life, we have to do our inner healing. We have to look at those shameful spaces. We got to be willing to talk about them, shine a little sunshine on them. Have you, what is, is it lice? I don't know. Like when people, my daughter had got lice a couple times in school. 
I don't think she got it a couple times. I think it was never truly taken care of because I was trying to do it. We finally hired a life specialist who sat there and like, I mean, just, she must love doing this, you know, like pimple popper. I think she loves doing it. This lady loved doing this. Anyway, she got them all, all the nits and the things out of, out of her hair. They never came back. But she was talking about putting things out in the sunlight, putting things in the dryer, putting things in the freezer. Okay, put your hairbrushes in the freezer. Put, you know, all the stuffed animals or something in a plastic bag and put them outside. Or, you know, all these things that she had. Why? Because she knows what kills the nits and the active little buggers that we can't see. So you can bet your ass, I did all those things. I was like, you give me a solution, bro. Kristen Brown is on top of that solution. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I love solution. Solutions make me happy. I'm here, you guys. Riding it in the stars. I'm driving the blimp over your hometown right now. And that little tiny head sticking out of that box underneath the blimp. <laughs> and the blimp says, address your hidden shame and unworthiness and you will have a life beyond your wildest dreams. The chasm is the chasm that everybody experiences. You're not solo and separate and different and alone just because you feel like you're not good enough, AKA imposter syndrome. What? That was one thing that Matthew McConaughey said that I heard in the beginning of the speech. I loved it. Because, you know, I've always adored the guy. Cutie patootie, funny as hell, great actor, can play any role, right? He's kind of like that other guy and I can't come up with his name right now. Um, anyway, he said when he finally broke through with acting and he got to whatever space that he was in and he goes, I was on the cover of GQ and it said, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey saves the movies. He goes, I looked at myself on the cover and I freaked out. Oh my God, what am I doing on the cover of freaking GQ? Where did this happen? How did this happen? Oh my God, am I enough? How, do I deserve this? What is this? He said he flipped out. And guess what he did? He left Hollywood. This is the stuff that happens behind the scenes, you guys. These poor souls just are doing it in public eye. Yeah. Now, now no one told us this until I heard it yesterday, but you get what I'm saying. He left freaking Hollywood and this is what he did. He said he, he heard of this. I think it was a monastery. Don't quote me on any of this. If you want to listen to it, um, it's called the art of living event. Here I am like promoting their event. Wish I had a uh, promotional code for you. <laughs> um, art of living event. It's probably not going to be up that much longer on YouTube or whatever. Cause they're going to take it down, but he, it, it's promoting a course. It's like a massive, uh, what do you call it? A masterclass type webinar type thing almost. Anyway, he said that he heard of this monastery in New Mexico and you get dropped off on the side of the road 
You have to hike 13, walk 13 miles, 13 miles in New Mexico. Unless it's, if it's in Southern New Mexico, it's kind of like Arizona, right? It's deserty up North. It could be cold. Anyway, I don't know what part it was, but you get dropped off. You have to walk 13 miles to the door of this monastery. And if you do this, if you make it to the door of this monastery, then they will take you in and help you. And I love that whole gig because they're making you do the work. This is why I charge for coaching. How invested are you in it? How much do you really want this? Okay. And morning. I so got to the door of the monastery. I'm not going to get the monk's name right, but like Brother Matthew. Oh, that's, that's his name. But anyway, Brother so-and-so opens the door and Matthew says his thing. This is my thing. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what's going on. The brother listens and he, all he says was, oh, you need to speak with Brother Christian. He will meet with you at daybreak, at dawn tomorrow. So he goes, okay. He went and you know, did his thing, wakes up at dawn, goes to talk with Brother Christian. Brother Christian doesn't say a word, not one word, zero words for four and a half hours. Okay, zero words. They get, they're done with their walk. They're sitting on a bench. Matthew said he's been crying. He's been snotting. He's, you know, doing all this, blowing his heart out to this monk. The monk didn't say a word. They're sitting on the bench. He goes, I finally feel like I'm done. I'm complete. I'm waiting for the guy to say something. He goes, 30 seconds goes by, 60 seconds, another 60 seconds. I don't know how long it went on. He goes, then he looks at me, stares into my eyes for a few seconds, and then says, me too. Me too. That is all the monk had to say. Me too. I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I deserve to be a monk. I'm making it, I'm putting words in his mouth, but you get what I'm saying. I'm trying to draw a picture, right? We all carry around these hidden parts of ourselves. And although even when we feel the majority of those type of things, for myself, I don't walk around with hidden shame anymore. I have done my work, sisters and brothers, not only that, I have trained my brain to be hyper forgiving of myself. The minute I fuck up, it's on autopilot now because I've done my work and continue to do my work. And when I feel, ooh, I shouldn't have done that, and I feel shame for something, I'll stop and I'll go feel that shame because like everybody else, I want to push it away and ignore it and excuse it and say, this is why I did it. Well, they hadn't have done X, Y, Z. I wouldn't have done PDQ. Mm -mm, no excuses. Full ownership. Good morning. And I sat with that shame recently and I said, ooh, don't like that. Ooh, I hadn't felt something like this in a long time. And I was like, sit, sit, sit. Don't move. Don't get up. Don't distract. Don't change your mind. Don't make excuses. Sit. And I sat in my shame. I just sat there. And I felt yucky. And then I said, you did the very best you could at that exact moment in time and history. That moment of time was as good as it got right there. 
and I committed to doing better next time. And I still felt the shame kind of creep in and I said, Kristen, you're okay. Let it go. It was a mistake. By the way, you guys, there is no order of sin to the universe. If it's out of character, if it's out of alignment with God, Christ consciousness, whatever you want to say, with love, and you have erred, you've missed the mark in that moment, that's as good as it got at that moment, that's as good as it got at that moment. But self-forgiveness is going to set you free. Here's the other thing about shame. Sometimes it's not the shame of stuff that we've done. But it's the shame of what others have done either to us or around us. So let's say I'm just going to make up something like a family member is on drugs. Or a family member goes to jail or a family member gets caught up in some scam or a family member cheats on their spouse or whatever. We can take on their shame as our own. Not want to talk about that family member. I promise you, hands down, hands down, you bring that story to a compassionate soul, they're going to go, that's not yours. That's hard. Sorry you're dealing with that. But that's not your shame. You didn't do that. Shame cannot live in the bright light of compassion and empathy. Hear me good. Yours or that of someone else's. It can't live. It's kryptonite to the Superman. It's the freezing cold or the hot sunshine to the lice. Okay. Now, you guys got to remember, I live in Arizona. In the summer, it's 185 degrees out. You could fry an egg on the sidewalk. <laughs> so when I talk about bringing outside in the sunshine, I'm not thinking of like a balmy 70 with a cool breeze. <laughs> I just thought I should make that clear because there'd be a perception um, differential when it came to this because you guys like, that kills a lice. Well, it depends. I don't even know if it does. I'm just using that as an example. I do know the freezer does. Freezing temperatures do. So what am I saying with all this? I'm saying that the shame that you're feeling is causing you from healing the shame that is, is, is building a chasm between you and your best life ever. Cannot say it any more clear than that. And your shame that is, you're listening to this right now. If you're listening to it, the shame, I might be triggering you. And good. Because if you're recognizing that you have shame, yay you. Yay you. Each time we recognize a hidden or disowned piece of ourselves, we set ourselves free. What have we all said on this wisdom app who do the work and continue to do the work? So many times, I've been here since 
the beginning. So many times I've, I've uh, spoken to fellow people and we're like, let's describe what it feels like on the other side of healing. We all go, uh, uh, bleh, bleh, like it's just so indescribable. No human words can describe it, but I will tell you this. Freedom was the one word that we all said. Freedom. Emotional fucking freedom. Are you kidding me? Isn't that what we're all looking for? Aren't we all wanting happiness, peace, and joy? What do we wish everybody at the Christmas holidays? Right? Peace. Joy. Peace and joy. Because we know that is the highest form of living, is living in peace and joy. So the second aspect of shame, okay, the first thing that I was mentioning just there about five minutes ago was that it could be we're taking on the shame of somebody else's behavior. I do want to also say, because this is rampant as a mofo in this world, and I will not hide from this anymore, trigger warning. Many people have been sexually assaulted and abused and are carrying that around as their shame. Sister brother, that ain't on you. I do not care what they said. I do not care what they said. You asked for it. You acted like it. You invited it. I do not care. I do not care what. I don't care if you traipsed through the house naked. No one gets to assault you. Ever. That is not your shame, baby. That is not your shame. That is the shame of the person who committed the crime against you. Period. They did this to you. You did not invite it. You did not ask for it. So that's in regards to where we think we, we have to take on other people's shame. Do you see how fierce I get with that? There's a reason for the fierceness. And I discovered this in myself. And then I heard Mel Robbins say the same thing. Who, by the way, I've only been introduced to, met, you know, discovered Mel Robbins probably in the past two months. I don't know anything about this lady until I saw her on YouTube Shorts. Apparently other people know who she is because she's freaking wildly, wildly popular. So she, if you feel my fierceness when it comes to this, because it sometimes takes that fierceness of hail, no, no more, never again. I will not own your shit. That is yours. Sometimes it takes that fierceness to break through. We might be knocking on the on a on a wall with a toothpick. We're not getting through. We're not getting through. Nothing's happening. Can't even get through the mortar between the bricks with a toothpick. We keep poking ourselves in the hand because it's got that double-ended point thing. But you pick up a sledgehammer and you start slapping that wall, you're gonna break through in no time. It's not your shame. A strange thing is, is when that Me Too movement came about back when I don't involve myself with 
things that are controversial. I don't talk about, you know, I have my own beliefs. I function from my own place with a lot of things. I'm just, that's not my wheelhouse. I'm not a, uh, what do you call it? A uh, debater. So people like to debate. It's not my gig. I've been a fucking lawyer if I wanted to debate. It's not, it's not my gig. But man, when that Me Too came up, I found myself recording a video in my bathroom. And I think it was probably about something like this. I don't remember what it was about. It was a long time ago. It was the first time and only time I really recorded something that was flowing through the world like it was like the next hot topic because I feel that much about it. I am getting off topic a little bit, so let me move on to the next thing. Sometimes it's the shame of the things that other people did around us, right? That's the thing. Sometimes it's the shame of what other people said about us. Why aren't you as pretty as your sister? Why aren't you as smart as your brother? Why aren't you as athletic as your cousin? Oh, so-and-so's kid gets straight A's. You're barely getting C's. Still not yours. But you're carrying it. And that's the most important part. You're carrying that shame that somebody else imposed upon you. And that is not cool. And this is where the twofold forgiveness comes in. You gotta forgive those people who didn't know what they were doing. You gotta forgive those people that were functioning from their own wounds and their own ego and their own sense of trying to control. Because why on earth does a parent care that much about your grades unless it's to make themselves look good? I wanted my kids to get good grades. I wanted them to work the best of their ability. I didn't really care what the numbers were. If they were farting off and not doing their homework, I'm like, uh-uh, you got a D over here. Well, it's hard. No, no, no. You're watching TV all afternoon. Then playing games. No, don't give me that. Come on, give me some better effort. That type of thing. But no way in hell did I ever put on my kids that they had to walk around with straight A's and be in the marching band and learn a language and play guitar and do gymnastics. No. I wanted them to express who they were, wholly and completely, organically. Now I paid close attention. For some of my kids, school was easy. For the other one who had a vision skills issue, it was hard. She didn't see correctly. Her eyes weren't fully formed. And you believe that? The inner workings of her eye. They said it's not an IQ thing, it's a developmental thing. And get this, you guys, drum roll, please. This is another one that makes me hot. I'm a little fired up today, aren't I? <laughs> it's good, it's passion, it's love. You know what they told me at the, at the place that my, my baby got her diagnosis? Which, by the way, she can see very good now. Her eyes cleared up. She's got everything lines up. She said that 90%, are you with me? 
percent of kids diagnosed with ADHD in school have a vision skills issue. Sit on that one. My daughter presented it as ADHD. <laughs> she had to stand up in her chair. She didn't want to sit. She even stood up to eat dinner. None of my kids had done that. She couldn't sit still to read. She was rolling around under the table. I came home from work. My mom's trying to get the child to read. She's standing on top of the damn dining room table. She's rolling around underneath. My mom's just sitting there looking exasperated. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, I can't, I can't get her to sit down. She fled the classroom in her uh, school age years, her kindergarten through sixth. And it probably was more like first through sixth because you don't really read in kindergarten. She fled the classroom 160 times. She went to the nurse. One, six, zero. Hello, people. Is no one telling me? Oh, Remy came in, said she had a headache and left. Oh, Remy came in, said this and left. Her tummy hurt. Her this, that, 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 that. Presents like ADHD. One of my hair client angels one day said to me, Kristen, she's so sweet. She goes, have you ever considered that Remy might have a vision skills issue? I said, why Connie, what is that? She goes, it has to do with the development of the eye and they can't read and they can't do math because everything has to do with the eyes. I said, huh, I'll go check that out. When she told me her results, I walked out that front door and fell to my knees in the foyer of that medical plaza and started sobbing. There was nothing wrong with her. She couldn't fucking see. She could see. She's 20-20. The way she told me, she said lines jumped on a page. One line would go to the other line. Try to do math. What's math all about? Lining up columns. She couldn't do it. And guess what? She felt shame. And guess what the uh, teachers did? That she, first of all, every single teacher ever, that she ever had said she's the kindest, nicest kid that shows up for every other kids. But then they were saying things to her because they didn't understand. And in sixth grade, she's almost out of that. Where I think we just had gotten the diagnosis. Yes, yes, we did. I think it was in fifth grade. It took us that long to figure it the hell out. She got the diagnosis. And the good news was they grow out of it. They, she's, they said, this isn't like dyslexia. She'll grow out of this. It's a developmental thing. Something hadn't developed completely yet in her eyeballs. And I remember her fifth grade teacher, I was talking to her about it. And I said, hey, this is what she's just got going on. Have you heard of vision skills? Oh, no. Remy has ADHD. That's what she said to me. My jaw dropped. I go, I have the reports right here. And she kind of looked at me like she, you know, gave me that placating ah, kind of smile. Like, yeah, whatever, lady. I've dealt with parents like you type, type look. Do your homework, people. Meaning those teachers. I'm not against teachers. My hair clientele was full of teachers. Love them. In fact, when it came for voting in Phoenix, I'd call them up and say, okay, what do I vote for that supports you guys? Still do it to this day. One of my clients, Jennifer. Jennifer, there's a voting happening. What do you want? Do you want Prop 201 or no? <laughs> That's how much I love teachers. 
right? But she did not get the support she needed. And guess what happened? She developed, she developed a fear of authority figures because she couldn't explain it. They didn't know. Anyway, I'm getting off on this, but the point is there could be shame around this. Can I tell you that this child is, is rocking a 4.0 now for the past two years? I haven't told her to. It's just easier for her. She caught up. And she still has shame around it. Or did. I think we're pretty much through that. My point without the whole big ass long story, you guys, is just to say that we're going to be carrying around some shame that's ours. That we did something crappy. Okay. Gotcha. Then we got the shame that somebody else did to us. They perpetrated on us. And we're feeling like it's our shame. Okay? Then we have the shame of some words that other people spoke over us and around us and to us. Making us feel like we were not enough. Doesn't matter where the shame came from. It just needs to be healed. Backing up just a little bit, I'm telling you guys about the, the chasm. The reason why we're having difficulties healing or I'm sorry, gaining the desires that we want out of life is because we have this hidden chasm between us and the thing, and we don't know what it is. We just feel it. It's called the gap. Is the gap is the space between where you are now and where you want to be. Oh my God, the cutest little bird just landed right in front of me. Oh, she's so tiny. What are those tiny birds? I think they're called finches. I would be surprised if that's a finch. It's not a hummingbird. All right. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to check in and see. Oh, so many lovely people have joined me. Uh, do you guys mind if I drink some water real quick? It's getting hot out here. And let's see if I have already done an hour. Hold on. Mmm. Have I told you lately, water's my favorite drink. Freaking love it. Okay. So. <laughs> Cece just sent me in the back channel. Yes, remind you, hydrate. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I'm just talking to you right now. Oh, is that Noble Ron? I'm in a shady spot so I can actually see my screen. There's my people. There's my peeps. Love you people. All right, so I'll finish up what I was saying. And then I will probably bid you all adieu so I can get after my day. Get, I'll probably talk until I get back home. But here's the deal. Anytime that we make the slightest shift in perception, I want you to picture yourself standing, let's say, due north. You're standing dead spot due north. And that is your perception that you're at right now. When you have the slightest perception shift, take one step as if it is on a circle to the right. Now think about if you were walking from the old place and you walked forward, think about over a period of time where that line would take you. Now think about just one little shift to the right, and then you start walking forward. 
over time, you will get really farther away from that first original line. Does that make sense? The one line is just going to keep you going straight, straight on the same path. You go shift a little bit to the right. At first, you're going to be sort of close to that line. But the more you walk, it's going to take you in an entirely different direction. This is what one shift in perception can do. So if you have that shift in perception right now, I am not at fault. And it is not my shame. Because I'm whispering to you guys like I'm in, it, like I'm in a library right now. Is that funny? Can you guys hear that? I'm talking like this. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. Here's my, okay, here's my regular voice right here. This is regular Kristen. This is really excited, Kristen. <laughs> There's no one out here. It's not like people are listening. Oh, God. If you take one little perception shift today from this talk and you go, wow, that's not my shame. Because Aunt Maggie said this, or Uncle Bruno, or my best friend. The reason why I think I was, I was motivated by this talk is someone really close to me was talking about some shame that they've been carrying around for decades. And one of the stories this person shared had to do with their best friend. And some crappy remark it was probably made innocently, but it was a crappy remark that stuck with this person for decades and shaped and molded them into how they perceive life to this day. This person had a massive awakening and said, oh my God. And they couldn't stop talking about it. They were on repeat. It's not me. It's not mine. It's not me. It's not mine. No, it's not. It never has been. I am good enough. Wow, I didn't need to have that to be good enough. I've been good enough all along. Yes, yes. Oh my God. Repeat, repeat, repeat. I said, you got to journal this. Let this sink in. Let this change your trajectory from this moment forevermore. That you are enough. That the words spoken around you or to you or the things that were perpetrated upon you are not your shame. They can't be, right? And back to the, if you have done something that was crappy, if you did do something, hi ladies. If you did do something that was, you guys probably heard that, huh? If, to the ladies, take it back. She's pushing, it's like your grandma pushing her granddaughters in the cart, so cute. Um, if you did something that was crappy, Right? It is your shame. Yeah, you, you're a dick. You pulled some dicky stunt. You were not in your highest place. You're embarrassed. You want to crawl under a blanket. Yeah, you're not liking this feeling at all. The cure? Self-forgiveness. Self-compassion. Self-acceptance. I'm going to accept that I did that. I'm going to know that I did the best I could at that moment. I realized I was tired. I was afraid. I was trying to control. I was jealous. I was angry. I was not well rested. I was sick. I don't care. We're not making excuses. That's the number one thing we're not making. 
but you're understanding where you were at in that moment. Okay, I realized that I did the very best I could at that time. Doesn't get any, that's how it got, that's what it looked like. But to doggone it, I'm a child of God. I'm a divine spark. I'm spirit in an earth suit, doing the best I can. And my job here is to grow. That's what we're doing here. Oh, I'm supposed to grow and we grow through mistakes. Got it. This mistake is purposeful. It has a reason. This situation experience happened for me, not to me. Oh, that's a shift in perception. It's going to take you a different direction. Period. Can't not. It can't not. Because the way you've been thinking that has been creating your same experience on repeat, on autopilot, went boop. One step to the right. Think about another one step to the right. I was having this conversation with some people the other day too. And this person said, um, wow, it's like doing a 180. Like, you know, having some sort of perception shift. And the other one goes, no, man, it's a 360. It's like, well, doesn't that bring you back to where you were? He goes, no, it's a complete turnaround. Which is interesting that he said that because I always thought that way too. I always said it's total 360. It's a complete turnaround. People were like, no, it's a 180. Could you turn it out go the opposite direction? I was like, all right, we can leave that up for debating, which I don't do. I already told you guys that. But it was like, it was, it's just a crazy change where you're just like, oh my God. You guys, I didn't get to where I'm at on this journey without questioning the shit out of myself. Was not looking at my shame, without looking at my neediness, without looking at my desperation, my projections. My judgments, my self-imposed judgments, my judgments on other people. Things that I did in my past that are embarrassing because I didn't have the personal power to say no. It's all okay now. I get it. I know why I did it. And it's okay. Because that's what as good as it got because I'm an earth baby. I'm a teeny tiny baby toddler human. I am not evolved. I am not Buddha. I am not a cartoli. I'm not any of those people. I'm Kristen Brown and I make mistakes. But I course correct those mofos. I go, oh yeah, there's that. And I do it quickly now. So back to the topic as I wind this down. Get ready to wrap this up. I'm going to tell you this. Your shame, hidden shame, is holding you back. Period. It can't not. The end. It can't not. It is holding you back. And the shame that you feel around that shame is stopping you from looking at it. I don't want to think about that shame because it feels shameful. So your shame of the shame is going to stop you from looking at it. Everybody has felt ashamed. Normal, common, human emotion. All you need is that one person to go, dude, me too. Just like Brother Christian did for Matthew McConaughey. Dude, me too. I know. 
I understand. Shame cannot live in empathy and compassion. Oh, here's a small bit. McConaughey, he kind of talked in code, but I think he was feeling shame because he was saying stuff like was, I think he was doing things as a star that he did not feel good about himself for doing. We can only imagine what those things might be. He never, he didn't say. He said it in such a way that he kind of skipped over real quick. But I think he had become someone that he was not. And that's why when he got that fame on GQ, he was like, uh, I don't deserve this. Okay, just want to bring that back up. It just popped into my head. So now there is, there is a possibility that when you win a certain award or you get a certain accolade, that you might be in that kind of space of like, like shock, surrealness. Again, is it really that great? Did I really deserve this Oscar? Right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So just accept it, own it, be gracious, be humble. So with the shame, again, if you're walking around with that thing that you did, right? Or was done to you, whatever, some crazy thought you had one day. Chances are that you have a trusted person in your life because we all at least have one. Every time I ask people, my coaching clients are like, yeah, it's my grandma. Yeah, it's my best friend. Yeah, it's my brother. It's my old teacher. It's whatever. Yeah, at least got one. Be willing to say, I'm going to unpack some stuff today. Do you got the space for it? And you already told me that by that person, so they're going to say, sure. I'm going to unload this shame because it's creating a chasm from where I'm at now to where I want to be. And you sit with your person. And your voice might tremble when you speak. You might want to hide under a blanket when you say it. You might want to look the other way or say it on the phone and not in person. I don't care. Give yourself permission. If that's the only way you can get it out, let yourself get it out that way. And then speak. And let them soothe you with their empathy and compassion. Okay? Lice can't live without oxygen in a plastic bag, in the heat. Ice, lice can't live in a freezer, okay? Putting the hairbrushes in there in a plastic bag, they can't live. Shame cannot live without, with, within empathy and compassion and self-forgiveness. And guess what, you guys? Sometimes you don't even need to bring it to another person if you just forgive yourself. Okay. I love you guys. So glad that you're here. I just want to say hi to all the claps that I was not able to see in real time. Noble Ron, Cecilia Grace, just flipping through the room real quick, seeing a bunch of more wisdom people. If anybody's new here, welcome to Wisdom. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and hopefully we'll be able to have another one another time. So much love, everybody. Oh, and by the way, uh, when is it? I am having a conversation. Oh, yep, that's Thursday, the 27th, April 27th. I will be on Cecilia Grace's Kudos to You show. 
at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time. CC so graciously and beautifully invited me up to be on her show to talk about my and all the things in her and Nova Ron read it, I think together, if I understand correctly. And they are going to, we are reading the book. Oh, God. He just messaged me and said we're reading it a second time. I'm dying right now. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. A little speechless right now. Thank you. That makes me, uh, that's right, second round. Uh, that gave me tears in my eyes. These things coming back to me right now are, they're what I, I had hoped for this book. It was what my heart wanted for this book. And um, yeah, feeling my shame. Help me to reach my goal. How about that? Why don't we just leave it at that? <laughs> so thank you guys. Thank you for letting me know that. That's really beautiful. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking with CC on um, Thursday, the 27th. So I hope you guys have an amazing day. Bye, Noble Ron. I see you guys clapping and throwing up all your sweethearts. And you guys are sweethearts. You guys are the sweetest hearts. And um, I love you. And I will talk to you next time. Okay, everybody. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, I invite you to subscribe and share. If you're listening on iTunes, you can give a big thanks by leaving a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to explore coaching plans, other products, and free resources, go to kristenbrown.org. Until next time, everyone, remember to go love yourself.